I think the one child that was in here today has made his escape. <laughs> Parker's here. Huh? Parker's here. Where's Parker? Parker's back there. What? Is Par where's Parker? Oh, Connor? Connor. I don't think Connor wants to come. Do you want to come? Come on, Connor. Alisa, thank you. Dr. Warner. I've never had Dr. Warner come down for a children's sermon. Thank you. Hey, happy Father's Day. Right? Thank you so much. We celebrate our fathers. There are many, many people who don't have the opportunity to have a father, unfortunately. But we do have a father, don't we? Even if we don't have an earthly father, who is our great father? Right? Our Father in heaven, who loves us more than anyone could possibly ever imagine. We have a Father who's with us all the time, who guides us and leads us and strengthens us and gives us whatever we need in order to accomplish what He wants in our lives, which is what living is all about anyway. Living is not about what I want, it's about what God wants. So happy Father's, happy father's Day, Father. Yeah. So we, we celebrate our Father today. Now my Father, my earthly Father, is with the Heavenly Father, and, um, and so I wish Him Happy Father's Day too. So um, another special thing about today is Father Bill, who has been with us, this congregation, for 21 years, and Anthea, is, did Anthea come back in here? Yep, she's back in here. Yeah. Hi, Anthea. Um, Anthea has been in, in charge of our women's ministries and, and some advertising on Facebook and all sorts of other things too, but they've been with us for 21 years as friends, as leaders, as um, associate for Father Bill, and um, just, just done tremendous things here. Today's their last day, at least kind of being here full time. Uh, they're going to go out and, and discern God's will in their lives and, and move into a church planting. And they're going probably to help another church plant in our diocese that's already taking place over in Richmond. But, but you know, God will lead them. And so we have a, a cake and a gift in the parish hall after this service for people to go and say farewell to Father Bill and, and Anthea uh, for, and thanking them for all of their wonderful friendship and leadership over these past many years. So we celebrate Father's Day today. We also have a Father's Day cake in there. And dads, by the way, we have a gift out for you at the guest center, so be sure to pick up your gift today. So um, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. Thank you for coming up. I appreciate you coming. I didn't even see you back there, and I, I didn't think you were going to come up, right? but I'm glad you did. Oh, you have any questions? Okay, that's it. Go back to your seat. Thank you. Hey, Connor, come here. Connor, help me up. Thank you. Well, good morning. I'm not sure I can follow that. <laughs> uh, welcome uh, to you all, to visitors and to all fathers today. As Father Stan introduced, my, introduced me, I guess I don't have to introduce myself again, but I'm very privileged to be here today on my last day as associate and to deliver a message to you from the gospel according to Mark. Uh, 
Um, let me start by saying that when I was in second grade on the first day, I was sporting my new Mickey Mouse watch that for me was the symbol of the epic family vacation that we had that summer before. We drove from Brownsville, Texas to Disneyland with our Pontiac station wagon drawing behind it our pop-up camper so that we could stop at every single place on the way. We stopped um, for every mountain, every family member, every uh, desert, every Native American craft center, and, uh, and I didn't think we would ever make it to Disneyland. And for me, that was really the goal of the whole trip, was to get to Anaheim, California. We weren't going to Mickey's relatively new vacation home in Florida. We were going to his real house where he lives in Anaheim, California, Disneyland. Everybody knows that. But by the time we got there, it was clear to me that my father's purpose for this family vacation was a little more than my six-year-old mind could comprehend. For me, it was all about the destination, getting to Disneyland. In our gospel today, we read about a very different family trip. Jesus had recently begun a startling public ministry. He was healing the sick, casting out demons, teaching with a new kind of authority. And that day he'd been sitting in a boat just on the shoreline, teaching a multitude using parables and later explaining those parables to his disciples. And then after that long day, when it got dark, Jesus said, let us get in these boats and travel to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, the story contained in these five verses is famous. It's recorded in all three synoptic gospels. My Bible titles the story, Wind and Waves Obey Jesus. And it is easy to think of individual personal applications of this story. And there's nothing wrong with that interpretation. But I want to go into a little different idea today with you and look at this little group as a community, a community that was getting into these boats with Jesus. We're going to look at the person of Christ, the, uh, the purpose of Christ, the promises of Christ, and then the problem of the storm. The person, the purpose, the promises, and then the problem. These little verses tell us so much about the person of Jesus Christ. Let's start verse 38. It says, But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. Jesus had had a long day. He was teaching that multitude, possibly healing the sick as well. Then he had his time with the disciples. And now it's dark and he gets on this boat to go on a journey. He must have been exhausted. Jesus was a frail human being like you and me. On my family vacation, as we drove for miles and miles, my brother and I would read and play games and nap in the back of the station wagon while my father drove to our next destination. Then he would set up the camper, and after supper, he would be ready for some downtime. And after preaching these three sermons today and maybe a little Mexican food afterwards, 
I say, give me a pillow. I'll be ready for a nap. It's important for all of us, and especially fathers, to understand Jesus' humanity. The Bible tells us that he was hungry, that he was tired, that he was tempted, that he was sad, that he was frustrated, and sometimes even angry. In his humanity, Jesus experienced the frailty of the body that we all experience. Jesus gives us fathers a way to emulate our heavenly father because he lived like we do and he understands us. Hebrews 2.17 says, For this reason Jesus had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Jesus, sleeping in the stern of the boat, reminds us that he is fully human. Now verse 41. And the disciples feared exceedingly, it says, and said to one another, Who can this be? that even the wind and sea obey him. These fishermen had been on, the, on this sea all their lives and they'd never seen anything like this. The raging storm stopped suddenly and became absolutely still after three simple words from our Lord. Peace, be still. Now this is not one of those times that we can emulate Jesus because it's not given to humans to control nature. Psalm 106.9 makes it clear that the parting of the Red Sea was done by God alone. It says, The Lord rebuked the Red Sea and it dried up. He led them through the depths as through a desert. And Psalm 89.9 acknowledges God's power over nature. You rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. Who can this be? It is clear, and I think the disciples knew, that only God has power over nature. It is this small passage that we see both Jesus' humanity and his divinity. And it is through his humanity that he can stand with us, and through his divinity that he has the power to calm the storm and to forgive our sins. Fathers and families and fathers in our church community, we are representatives of Jesus Christ to our respective families, no matter what the makeup. It is the person of Christ that we trust. Like I trusted my father with the arrangements on our trip, we trust in Jesus Christ. However, we must also emulate our Lord and be worthy of the trust of our families that they place with us. The stories of our earthly adventures are first and foremost stories about the person of Jesus Christ. Secondly, the purpose of Christ. When Jesus said that night, let us cross over to the other side, he had a purpose. He had already discussed his overall purpose in, Matthew, in Mark to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven has come near. And he had added some mystery to that in his teaching in the parables, particularly the parable of the mustard seed. However, Jesus' immediate purpose was to go to Gesara in the country of the Guardians to cast out a legion of demons from a Gentile. But this was only one step in his wider salvation purpose. 
He tells a little bit about this in Mark 3:27 when he says, "In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house." Jesus had to bind the strong man, the devil, in order to plunder his possessions by redeeming each one of us from the devil's power. We see this in part as he casts out a legion of demons into a herd of swine, but it's more fully realized when Jesus is crucified and rises again from the dead, defeating once and for all the power of Satan over us. As Jesus and his disciples enter these few boats and set out across the sea, this represents the entire church at the time. Let me say that again. When Jesus and his disciples got into these small wooden boats and set out across the sea, they were the entire Christian church at the time. The multitudes who listened to his teachings and who were healed but did not follow him and did not get into the boats did not make the same commitment that these disciples did. They, lit, uh, they took a, an action of faith to get in the boat with Jesus and to follow him, and they became the first community of believers. In order to be followers of Jesus, we cannot sit on the shore and watch. We have to get into the boat with him. Now, Jesus also had a purpose in this voyage about his disciples. He had to prepare them for their own ministry in the kingdom. Only a couple of chapters later, in Mark 6, he will send out the 12 disciples two by two and give them power over unclean spirits. But it is vital that before he does that, they have to understand a little bit more of the bigger picture. So we can see several purposes in this voyage. To demonstrate that the kingdom of God has come near, to begin the process of binding the devil, and to equip his disciples to carry on as the church. God has purposed for us to go through life together in teams. Just like the disciples in their small wooden boats, we have families and a parish, and we go through life together. Fathers, as we do our part to lead our collection of little wooden boats, we are charged by the Lord to carry on with the faith and power and to equip the saints for ministry going forward as the Lord has demonstrated for us in these five verses. Third, I want to talk a little bit about the promises of Christ. Even though we're very near to the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, we're already aware of several promises that Jesus has either proclaimed or fulfilled. First of all, as I said, that the kingdom of heaven has come near. But he also told them, he said, I will send you out to fish for people. And then he taught them about the kingdom being a mustard seed, being in a hidden and very powerful growth. Understanding that Jesus is the promised king, and he's both human and God, that set forth his salvation purposes and declared these promises, we have a basis for faith. It's not a faith in what we expect Jesus to do. He's not going to make every storm in our lives go away. But it's faith on his character and his promises. Jesus rebukes the disciples not because they were afraid, 
I don't know who wouldn't be afraid in a swamped boat in the middle of a storm. But because he can see that they do not yet understand who he is and what his purposes are and his promises. So before I move on to the next point, let me share a few other promises for fathers and for those who have fathers today. Jeremiah 29 11 says, For I know that I have plans for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Proverbs 22 6 says, Start children off on the way that they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Ephesians 6 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. Proverbs 14, 26. Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress and for their children, it will be a refuge. Matthew 7, verse 9. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And in addition to these promises here on earth, our ultimate promise is our heavenly reward. So as we make our voyage together, we must never forget that our forever home awaits us with the Lord. And it is much better than Disneyland at the end of the trip. Finally, the problem. I saved the storm for last because too often we think about the storm first. As the church cruise, that church cruise that day in Galilee, entered the night, they ran into a huge storm. Now, I have experienced a storm at sea. Has anybody else been in a storm at sea? It's something. Even in my case, when I was on a Navy ship and I wasn't really so much afraid that the ship was going to go down because I trusted the Navy, but, but it just it rattles you, doesn't it, with all the wind and the waves. And this storm was strong enough to put the fishermen in despair as they labored to bail out these tiny wooden boats. If those boats sank in the Sea of Galilee, think about this, Jesus and all of his disciples would have died. It would seem that the entire plan of God was in jeopardy in that storm. And that's so often the case. We look and see all the stories in the Old Testament, like in the story of David and Goliath that we wrote, that we read today, you know, the stories of uh, the Davidic line of Sarah not being able to have a, a child of Moses standing at the banks of the Red Sea with the entire army behind him. They seem like insurmountable odds whenever the people of God follow the path of God, there will be great opposition and even danger. However, the Bible is also full of the stories of how God intervenes to rescue his kingdom, to fulfill his promises in spite of overwhelming odds. All of these, all of these stories that we've read 
demonstrate that for us, when we are together in the boat with Jesus, that we've got a God who has a purpose and who's going to carry out that purpose in our lives. And yet, in the middle of this storm, Jesus sleeps. Have you ever felt like when you're in the midst of a great difficulty that God is asleep? That when you pray to him, that he can't hear you? You don't see any evidence of that? I'm sure that's how the disciples felt. And Jesus was only 20 feet away from them in the stern of the boat. So the disciples wake Jesus with their prayers. And that's the right thing to do. When we're in a storm, we need to pray. And if we feel like he's asleep, we need to pray louder and wake him up. Those in danger on the sea or anywhere should turn to prayer. But then they follow that up once Jesus is awake. They say, Master, do you not care that we will perish? I think here that it's not so much that the disciples are, uh, are afraid they might die. I think they've actually resigned themselves to the fact that they will die. And that they have woken up Jesus so that, you know, he can be awake when the, when the ship goes down. And they think that maybe he doesn't care. And yet, we can be assured that God cares for each one of us in every storm. Matthew 18, 14 says, In the same way your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. So Jesus rebukes the storm with his words. As I said, this is not something that we should endeavor to follow as an example because it is more of a statement about who Jesus is. Faith is not in what Jesus will do, but on who he is. Only God can calm the storm. The storm does not only threaten the disciples, though. It threatens the purpose and promises of God. And with the stories of the Red Sea and all the Old Testament stories, shouldn't the disciples have known, if they understood that Jesus was the promised Messiah, that they would be rescued from this storm. And that is why he gently rebukes them, asks them why they're so fearful. I'm not sure what threats we may have experienced in our voyage to Disneyland. I was only six, and I had complete confidence in my parents to keep me safe and to get me to Mickey's house. But as a father myself, I have found my family in trouble many times. And I have many times when I had no answers, and I felt like I could not bail fast enough to keep my little boat from sinking. But now, wherever I am, I try to remember that I am in the boat with Jesus. Think about that. Wherever you go with your family, or with your business, or with your church, you're in the boat with Jesus. No matter how dangerous the circumstances, I understand that he has a purpose for every storm. And I have faith in his purpose and in his promises, but most of all, in the person of Jesus, in the person I know who does care. If it seems that he's sleeping, I pray a little louder and I trust a little harder because I know he will be there. Let me pray for our fathers this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of fatherhood. 
But most of all, we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ and his person who demonstrated to us what it means to be a father to all of us, to his entire church, Lord, and showed us so much about you. We pray, Lord, that you would strengthen our families today, strengthen our fathers, strengthen those uh, who have lost their fathers, Lord, who are in a closer relationship with you right now. Lord, I thank you so much for uh, the little boats that you give us to be in, and particularly for the boat of St. Timothy's. And I just pray that you would protect her in every storm. In Jesus' name, amen.